Blog Talk Radio. another entertaining evening. I want to thank you all for listening, and I want to thank you all for deciding to join our chat room, which is going to be available to you very shortly. If you have any questions for me or for my upcoming guest, Kay Ballard, please feel free to either call in at 347-237-5050, or you can join the chat room. Um, If you are trying to promote something of your own, you can feel uh, comfortable doing that as long as it's not anything negative or derogatory towards anybody else. And uh, 
other than that, you can email me at mznindyradio at gmail.com if you're an artist trying to promote your music, and I'll be happy to uh, go ahead and put some of that on all my other websites. Well, we're going to um, have this hour to discuss a lot of things with our uh, co-host, Ms. Kay Ballard, who is a radio personality herself, and she's also very creative in coming up with a product that describes a lot of different things about divorce that you should know, and she's used her own as a subject of this story. So I'm going to welcome her on, and we're going to find out more about Kay. Kay, are you there with us? I am Ravinda, and I am I'm a little bit shocked and uh, disappointed to hear that we're supposed to be entertaining. You didn't, you know, you didn't warn me of that. Well, I don't know if we're going to be entertaining so much because it really depends on another person's sense of humor. <laughs> there you go. I mean, well, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll do our best, but you know, you you set the stakes pretty high, I think. So, how are you tonight? Oh, I'm fine. I'm a bit cold because summer just left us like a, a bad dream. You know, it's like it's gone. It's so cold now. Yeah, How's it it was a bad dream. It was a bad dream, and it's, I, I, I wish it a less than fond farewell. I'm ready I'm ready for some cold. Oh, my goodness. Well, you can have it. I'm, I'm moving to Atlanta where it's warm all the time. So, I mean, you know, we have our moments where we get a little cold, but it's never like it is here. Yeah, well, I'm kind of for, for the uh, moment stuck in Texas, and um, you know, I I long for places where uh, you don't need air conditioning in November. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I feel so bad for you. <laughs> so, okay, my audience is very curious about you. Because, you know, our normal show is usually uh, independent music artists, you know, or people who write books or a local charity organization. Um, but we all often have, you know, another radio personality because sometimes I'm a little bit selfish. So I just want to give you the floor and tell everybody about yourself and make sure you mention what show you have so we can you can take some of my audience members with you when you leave today. Oh, well, there you go. I understand that sort of uh, fear of competition, you know, totally. And, in fact, I start my conversation with my guests on Women Are Not Funny Radio with exactly that question. I I have two questions for them, typically, uh, Vindu. I want to know if they are using Women Are Not Funny Radio as a stepping stone to something better. And then I also try to find out if they're actually there to audition to take over my show. And, uh, (laughs) you know, it's amazing how honest my guests are. You know, some of them say they wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, and others say, yes, that's exactly why they're there. They want to take over. So I understand we radio hosts, we have to be careful. We have to protect our territory, don't we? That's right. Because what if, you know, you do such a great job tonight that when I come on the next week, nobody wants to hear me. They just want K back. Yeah, so that that's would something just, I have to deal with. You know? I would just hate that, you know, and uh, uh, that is so likely to happen. Anyway, Women Are Not Funny Radio is a weekly radio uh, show, Internet radio show, and you can find it uh, by going to our website, womenarenotfunny.com. 
pretty easy. And uh, we do a webcast from there, and also you can access it by telephone, and then the replay is posted there always. We have replays in archives. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can subscribe by RSS feeds. So we try to be accessible. And, in fact, most of our millions and millions and millions of uh, listeners actually listen to the replay rather than the live broadcast, which is at 4 o'clock Eastern Time every Friday. And what we do on Women Are Not Funny is we try to disprove the premise. I would say we are successful on uh, the rare occasion, but it is not a comedy show per se because we just don't have the skills. But we do have very amusing women who are quite accomplished as our guests, and we talk some of the time about the role of humor in their lives. We talk about what they're doing. Um, I sometimes go to the absurd because that's just part of my normal personality, but or my abnormal personality. But we have a we have a good time, and we call it a fun conversation that matters. We talk about what's going on in the lives of the women who are our guests, and they're all very unusual, uh, interesting women, and. Uh, uh, accomplished, and some of them are personal friends of mine, some are, are are people I just want to get to know better. And so for me, it is a great joy to do that show every week. Now, one of the things that we've started doing, Ravinda, and I you know, offer this up as an idea for you, because it's just been it's been very uh interesting to uh experience this. We now have every episode transcribed. So we have someone who listens to our blather and then uh you know, transcribes it and uh the thing about it is it puts the pressure on to try to say something worth actually transcribing and keeping. <laughs> Many times I look at the conversations afterwards and I say, hmm, didn't meet the mark that time. But, it, but you know, it's it's really added another cool aspect to our, our show because we can, we can use pieces of those conversations in other ways, uh, both me and the guests, for various projects we're involved in. Well, you know, that's a great idea, and Blog Talk actually offers that service to us, um, although they do charge a hefty fee to do so. They charge well, about $300 to do really, that. Really, to, so, to transcribe yeah. an hour of the um, – I'm paying much less than that, but, uh, you know, see, that would set the stakes up high. You would have to say, man, we're going to have to have a conversation worthy of uh, a $300 uh, transcription fee, and that could really improve your show, don't you think? Well, I think that would depend on the guest because a lot of times I have people who have never been on the radio before, and I have to drag the words out of their mouths. So I'm pretty much speaking for them a lot of times. And then I may have, you know, just a lot of music playing. So, you know, I wouldn't want to pay $300 when half the show is going to be occupied by an artist's songs. However, I do agree that transcribing it would be great. However, I would probably try to find somebody that does it a little cheaper. Yeah, well, I think that would be a good idea. And you may have noticed that you're not going to have to drag anything out of me, right? I mean, my, the bigger right. problem is getting me to <laughs> shut up, you know. That will be your. That's what you'll be sobbing about uh, later on tonight in your. Well, see, I in, know that because when you're talking, I could be doing something else. So <laughs> you're so right ahead. 
Oh, my goodness, my goodness. Well, you know, that can be kind of controversial, actually. I have a friend, David Brown, who had a very successful – he's in hiatus right now, but he had an extremely successful Blog Talk radio show. His show was the most highly rated uh, comedy show on Blog Talk uh, after – you know, and this this does not come easily. He, he it came after two years of slaving away at it, but uh, he had a very popular co-host named Dangerous Lee, and um, she one night was emptying the dishwasher while they were doing the radio show, and he just could not stand that. He thought that was absolutely ridiculous, and so essentially he fired her. Or she would say she resigned. And I have told them, my goodness, you should give her points. I mean, that is totally the modern woman, a woman who can co-host a radio show while emptying the dishwasher. I mean, that's someone we both admire, is it not, Ravindu? We like that. Absolutely. I mean, if she was driving the car, came, went shopping, because, you know, blog talk you can do just about from anywhere. I have friends who do their shows while they're taking the kids to school or, you know, watching a football game. I mean, you can do anything while you're where while you're hosting the show. So I don't see it why that. It is totally crazy, isn't it? It is totally crazy. I think and he, I, he thought more of a show than it really was. <laughs> <laughs> so, how long have you been doing your show, then, dude? I've been doing this for about two years. Uh, come February, uh, February 2011, and oh. I started off doing it as a networking type of show, just you know, connecting people who have desires to do t- different types of work with people who have already been successful at it. And then people started asking me to play their music on the radio. And, of course, since I have a daughter who's a rapper and she wasn't getting her music anywhere, I started playing her music and everybody else wanted their music played. And then, you know, everybody just wanted a music show. So, I, well, I created a music show, but it's mostly for independent artists. And now I have all kind of people who want to be on the show. So it's not a problem. I'm yeah, very you know That is great. I do, uh, on Women Are Not Funny Radio, we try every week to promote the music of an indie musician because, you know, I love music and I also just love the idea of indie musicians learning how to promote themselves and their music on the Internet. You know, it's just the whole, it's all experimental, and there are people who are really slamming it on the Internet and others who are trying to learn to do that. And so I think that is very cool, and for you to be a part of that must be very satisfying. I mean, I I just love having... Uh, we we typically what I typically do is when uh, I am having my initial conversation with my guest about their appearance, I ask them if there is an indie musician or alternative uh, musician that they you know already know, follow, adore, <laughs> whatever that they would like to be on their episode of the show. And most of the time they have someone. So we try to hook up with that person first and then we go with we go with others. But it's just a small thing. I mean that's what we are all trying to do is uh, to expose people to a new audience. And uh, mm-hmm. so it really, 
you know, as far as I'm concerned, it adds a very cool aspect to the show. Now, recently I featured a group, um, and immediately after the show, they were back with me going, what kind of feedback have you heard? What have you, know, <laughs> what have you heard? What do people think? And, you know, it was very sad for me to have to tell them, well, I really didn't get any feedback. But that doesn't mean that the people who listen didn't love it or, you know, won't check them out. It just means that they didn't. You know, I wasn't immediately swarmed with emails about, who's that group? Tell me more. Uh, that's not, you know, that's, that's a little bit of a high expectation, I think, but, uh, people, people do like that aspect of my show is the opportunity to hear from new musicians or hear new mu- musicians, so. Well, the way I do it is I usually put something about that musical uh, guests or something on my website mm-hmm. and I post the information about them on Facebook and Twitter and so I have their links out there but if they usually I get my people to publish it so I yeah. have the publicists take the link to the show and send it out to all the contacts of like the fans and and the um, music industry people they know so that it brings in a bigger audience and people can hear how these people talk other than the fact that they know they sing, they want to know more about them. So when they come to the show, I give them a chance to learn about them, why they got into the music business, what kind of challenges they face, things like that. Plus, they get to hear their music, sometimes songs that have not even been released yet. So that's what makes it better for them to be successful. But if they don't have anybody, you know, helping them with the promotion part on their end, you don't get that much feedback. And I always tell them, I'm not your publicist. I'm yeah. not making career. I'm just giving you some promotion on my end. So I do what I have to do, but you need to do what you have to do. Yeah, well, absolutely. And I, I certainly, the um, musicians that we promote on the show, there are links on our show notes that uh, go to their websites and that sort of thing. But you understand what what I'm talking about. It's not a <laughs> there's not a a swarm of comments about about uh, the musicians. Just general comments that I get from my listeners that they love that aspect of the show, the opportunity to learn about new musical groups. And I'm involved in another um, internet quote, entertainment vehicle, the social media soiree that's currently on hiatus, but same thing for that. We always uh, select a um, independent musician, typically someone, though, who is very active in social media to feature on the show, feature one of their songs on the show. And also, since that show tends to be theme-based, we choose a musician that has a song that fits in with the theme. So it's really, you know, it's really, that show is not about promoting indie musicians that just once again, like Women Are Not Funny Radio, it has that aspect and um, it just adds for a much richer production and one that is a lot more fun for everyone. Uh, So I love doing that. Well, this sounds like it's fun. Now let me ask you, what was it that made you want to get involved in radio? Well, um, I am a keynote speaker, and one thing you could say about me that would be just disturbingly true is that I never met a microphone I didn't love. So (laughs) the opportunity to talk is uh, something that I've taken advantage of on every possible occasion. Women Are Not Funny actually started 
My, I, I have a company called New Media International, and we do a variety of things. We are new media publishers. We are software developers, and uh, we collaborate with people worldwide on a variety of projects. And so one of my friends, who is a very talented composer and musician, has had several fairly successful um, CDs with her group, the Paula Kelly Orchestra, is Paula Kelly. And she, like I said, is a composer, does uh, scores for movies, does a whole lot of, uh, of things in addition to performing. And she is also extremely funny um, and has a comedy career in indie film. And so we actually designed Women Are Not Funny Radio as a star vehicle for her. And we started it about a year ago with her as the host in a completely different format, and we had some pretty big uh, talent involved, uh, including uh, Kay Henley, former of Letters to Cleo, a very well-known indie group, under contract to Disney, traveled with and opened for Molly Cyrus for uh, several years, and she's extremely funny. We had Tammy Jo Deeren, who is a professional comedian in L.A. and uh, books a lot of comedy shows. They were panelists, and then we would have a guest for part of it. And we had a, a, a very different format, but in spite of the very uh, so-called high-priced talent, we really weren't able to make it succeed. So my company was going to retool it, and we we sought the services of another host, and it looked like that was going to go. And um, that kind of fell through. And so, you know, finally I said, hell, I'm doing it myself. <clears throat> With the idea <laughs> that by having a weekly show, I would uh, learn how to do it, and I'd get better and better, and I think that's happened a little bit. I can tell you, even though I'm a professional speaker and have no, you know, no trepidation about speaking, doing a weekly radio show is a lot harder than one might think. It certainly is more difficult than, you know, than I ever suspected. And what we were trying to do from the get-go is to explore the nexus between women and leadership and humor and to really look at the way that women use humor in their lives to uh, accomplish the things that they try to accomplish and also to cope with what they're dealing with. And so we were kind of exploring the idea that we'd have some conferences between uh, where we on the stage we'd have a combination between uh, comics and academics, and uh, we haven't gone there yet. We may go there, but um, it, in some respects, it's been kind of an ambitious project, and in other respects, not ambitious enough. But I style myself as the accidental host, and the reason for that is it's true. I never intended to be anything more than the producer of that show, but now that I am the host, I love doing it, and so I'm going to continue to do so. Wow, that's amazing. Now, I, I, I admire that a lot because I love it when a woman has ideas for something to happen, and especially when you're speaking to other people and, and for some reason they don't see the vision, and you end up doing it yourself. And I, I love that we take on those types of 
of, you know, challenges as women because we can't keep sitting around waiting on folks to just say, you know, that is a great idea. I think I'll go ahead and do it, you know. And, and when you when it's coming to you so clearly and you know exactly what to do and what will work and other people can't see that yet, it drives me crazy because I go through that a lot. I, so that's why I do so many things. People think I have multiple personalities. <laughs> well, that you know, that is uh, that's a really great explanation. I'll hang on to that. I, the the thing is, though, um, I I um, can't really claim. You know, our vision for women are not funny has changed, and over a period of time, and in some respects, and I'm as you stated in your own experience, internet radio is very experimental very new and um, and uh, in terms of what works it's very uh, experimental in terms of what it takes to get an audience it's very experimental and the fact is one of the things that I've discovered and I think this is a hard thing for people to get their brain around but an internet radio show potentially and it's probably true of old media radio as well but you potentially have an audience in some respects, of people who are not even your listeners. So there are people who know me or know of me, know I do Women Are Not Funny Radio, who have never listened or have only listened one time, but they have an awareness of it and an understanding of it and associate it with me. So in that respect, it has an audience outside of its just listenership. And so it has some value to me and my company in that respect, even uh, you know, above and beyond any listeners that we might gain and and uh, your raw numbers in, in that regard. Does that does any of that make sense to you? Absolutely. Um now how do you track your listeners? Well I'm we not, don't, I don't I don't I don't think you're using blog talk. So you're using yeah, a different no, format. I'm not, no, no, no. We yeah. we we own our we own our own platform. And I okay. tell you what, it's it's actually very, very difficult because, uh, and so a lot of times when people ask the question and the answer that I give sounds kind of, you know, like weasel words, but it really it really is true. The way we're doing it right now, it is very difficult to, to track because we can certainly cl- track the number of people who visit our website, but that does not mean that they are listening and that doesn't track the number of listens that they give or, you know, any of that sort of thing. Now, there is a way to do it, which I'm all set up to do it. I just haven't done it, where I can put the audio on a different host where I could track the actual downloads from that host. Right, but what I have it, I have it on a different hosting platform now that doesn't give me that information. So I don't know how many people actually download it. Then there's also the option of pay, playing it on the web. There's the option of subscribing RSS. There's the option of subscribing on iTunes. So you know, it's all very, it's all very complex. We get a lot of clicks, 
uh, during the week, and certainly I'm promoting it on different social media platforms prior to the actual show. So people who click through then don't necessarily listen, you know. So it's really, it's really um, because they're, you know, if they're listening, they're not listening to that week's show because it hasn't happened yet. But they can listen to other shows, and they do. So you know, a lot of my uh, evidence is anecdotal. A lot of it is, and I could probably also know more if I cared more about that, you know. And so, <laughs> so uh, uh, part of it is I don't want to be so led by the numbers, you know, that I that that's really my focus because in some respects that isn't important. Although it's always important to have an audience, you want that. So. Oh, yes. So if you know, I, I think it really is a, a big it's a big value to me because I hate you know how you talk to your kids and sometimes they're not paying you any mind mm-hmm. you know they're not listening I don't want to feel that way with an audience like I don't want to talk into the air and and nobody's listening or my, maybe two people are listening so I'm glad that I'm on Blog Talk where they can track how many people download the show and who are listening live and who call in. Now, I also have um, the show uploaded onto a pod host at podomatic.com where they track how many people are actually subscribing to the feed of my show, um, who are downloading the show, and it doesn't tell you who is, who's listening, but it tells you on a, one of those Google Maps what areas are, are becoming fans and followers of the show. So I would have to say right now I have a large following in Asia, in the UK, in Europe, and Germany, and of course Canada and the US. So well, that's, that's really way to- yeah, that's really cool. Does Blog Talk uh, track your? And this is Shop Talk listeners. Please forgive us. You know, please do, <laughs> please forgive us. We we are not ordinarily rude. We're just momentarily rude. After after this. <laughs> Ravindu, let's agree that after this little bit of shop talk, we'll we'll talk about something else that our listeners will care about. Oh, but sure. Does, does Blog Talk also <laughs> track your um, the people who listen to it streaming? Even after you know, obviously there's the live listeners who listen to it streaming. Then there are people who come back and listen to it streaming, and then there are downloads. So there are all those possibilities on Blog Talk. Do they track all of those and give you information? Yeah, they they track um, the live listeners, which is like who's listening when the show comes on the first time. Then uh, whoever comes on to stream it, the actual stream becomes sort of like a download. So they can download it um, when they go to listen to it again because they have to go on their computer in order for them to hear it now. Um, So they consider consider the uh, any sort of replay, they consider it the same as a download, correct? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm doing pretty well with that. But I find that more people download it based on the fact that there's like a zillion people on on that, that time of night and not everybody can listen to that person's show that they like to listen to when they have right. other topics going on. So I depend mostly on my downloads because I know those are people who are interested enough to come back. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's that's all very cool. Another advantage that Blog Talk Radio has, I think, is that for some reason, and I don't understand what it is, how they're tied into the Google algorithm, but uh, they rank pretty high on the search engines. So uh, the the Blog Talk shows rank pretty high on the search engines. Sometimes when I'm on Blog Talk, that will come up higher. 
then maybe I even want it to in terms of whatever is else, else is there on Google that I'd like people to, you know, be looking at when it comes to me. But um, so that's, you know, that's another cool thing about Blog Talk. People who want to get into Internet radio are always trying to, you know, determine is that the way to go. And it definitely, Blog Talk is a very uh, powerful platform and offers a lot of tools. So as you know very well, so I can understand oh, yeah. why you would find it very appealing. We we choose to own our own platform, and um, uh, it's just a choice that we made after looking at many options, including Blog Talk. Well, you know, I believe in doing what you were, what you're doing too, and owning my own because Blog Talk, they while they do offer this great service, you know, I. I don't make any money up. <laughs> so I, I like to spend a lot of my time talking to people for a price. So I would prefer to have my own in which I can at least have some revenue coming in from advertisers or something or other people who have something really great they want to promote and they'll pay me for it. So, mm-hmm. of course, I'm going to take, you know, the the ethics from this show and put it somewhere else, but I'll still keep my blog talk audience because it's great when you want to have talk conversations, but when it comes to playing music back, the sound quality is not that great, so it's better for me to put that portion of my shows on a separate platform so at least they feel that the people are hearing the best quality of their songs. And then I could throw in a couple of conversations if I want to, but... I think I would prefer to do that, but still keep the blog talk around. Yeah, well, that's that's great, and I think there's some options. I think even for someone who, um, like me, who has their own platform, I think blog talk will actually let you upload your shows into their platform and and uh, play them there as well. It's something we just haven't really looked into, and and I don't. <laughs> know the advantages and the disadvantages of that but uh we don't we actually don't have advertisers we are in conversation with someone about sponsor sponsoring the show which of course would be similar but but just a, a bit different and um but anyway no you're right it is a labor of love, but it is a lot of labor for only love right right <laughs> and it's only love that would be like you know, even though we can speak as freely as we as we want here, it would be similar to me being a prostitute on the corner giving out free services to whoever drives by in the Cadillac. So, you know, I you know, not not any other car, but like only to the guys with the Cadillacs. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't want to do that, you know, give it out for free. So the same thing goes here. I don't like to keep doing it for free. And it's great to have this this audience, and it's great to have all that, but I spend so much time getting ready for a show, putting it together, editing the show, promoting the show, hosting the show, all that. It's like a full-time job now. So the more popular it gets, it is. And and, uh, people who do a weekly show, whether it's here or somewhere else, know that it really pounds you to do it every week because you have, you know, for me on Friday afternoons when I finish with a show, I just feel, oh, you know, oh, wonderful. And then you realize right away, oh, well, it's time to get the show notes up for 
for right. the next show and get ready and so forth. And, and so uh, doing it weekly is hard. At the same time, I will tell any listener who's stuck around and is still interested after all of this shop talk that uh, it's very difficult to build an audience for a show unless you do it weekly. It's just you know right. one of the things you can. So people have other solutions. Some people do one every two weeks. Some people do one once a month. Some people do one whenever they feel like it. But that is not a very good strategy, in my opinion, in my experience, for someone who's trying to build an audience. Oh yeah, I agree with that. And at this point, um, with me adding shows, and then every once in a while I'll take a break. I'm a little bit over thirty thousand um, listeners. And when I have the numbers from the Podomatic added to that, it reaches over 50,000. So for, to get that, you have to be on enough to actually get those listeners. And you have to have a lot of popular people in your show every once in a while to bring in an audience. So I bring in celebrities sometimes and, you know, people well-known, actors, mm-hmm. singers, um, writers, whoever, once in a while so that it helps boost up the audience. And um, then I could just take a break and have somebody that's not very well known. But it's okay. It's pretty cool. I enjoy doing what I do. So, Well, darling, you could not have anyone more popular and and better known than, than me. So this should do enormous things for your numbers. I mean, just get ready. They're going to skyrocket. They'll go through the roof. And I really believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and I yeah. really, I mean, more, you know, what's even more scary is I really believe myself. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure that you do, and it's a great thing because you have to start with at least one person to believe in you. So right. why not yourself? Why not? <laughs> so one now, thing you I, mentioned, oh, well, do you want to go, You do you have a direction you want to take this? I'm actually going to go into how popular you are when it comes to divorce. <laughs> so we can talk about the CD that you came up with. Oh, darling, my divorce is a celebrity. My divorce is a celebrity. (laughs) Uh, I have a comedy CD called KK's Divorce, and uh, any listener who's interested in checking that out can go to kksdivorce.com. Of course, the actual CD has an apostrophe in it, but the uh, website does not. KK's Divorce. And what this is, is the website. I mean, how many people have a divorce that has its own website? That's what I would ask. You know, my divorce is extremely cool, and it's good because it's the only divorce I have, you know. So I just have to to put all of my energy into this one divorce. But I have a comedy CD about my divorce. And what happened was, after the divorce, I just got this, crazy idea in my head that I wanted to have my divorce on iTunes. So I uh, made, (laughs) I I actually did a recording. Uh, I had this little comedy bit that I wrote, and I had never performed it live, so I did it live in my living room with my little R-09 digital recorder, and I shipped (laughs) it off to my sound engineer, and he mixed it and mastered it. In the course of doing so, he took out every single pause for breath. So when I listened to it, when I got it back, I said, oh, my God, the woman is about to pass out because she's not (laughs) breathing. And that was despite the fact that I knew that I was the woman. And that I was there very much alive. I was I was worried for her health. 
anyway, I uh, after he did it, and he thought it was great. He thought my material was great. He said, you are going to be on Oprah, right? And this is, you know what, this is after I paid him, Ravindu. So he, there, was, <laughs> there was no reason for him to lie. But I had my own doubts. So I shipped it off to people who love me, uh, my parents and my daughter and my brother and a friend from law school. And, and they listened to it, and they all agreed that it was remarkably unfunny. So, <laughs> I, but I I didn't give up. I did not give up. So I cut it down a good bit and uh, tried to punch it up a little bit. And then I actually um, hired a producer, and she took a look at my original script, and she took a look at my revised script. She added a few things back in. So we re-recorded it, and... Um, added a musical element, one of her fabulous songs I licensed, and then we uh, did a making, we did a piece called The Making of KK's Divorce, which is also a comedy piece in which she uh, interviewed me, and it's all great fun, so we made the CD, we put it on iTunes, yes, Ravindu, I got my wish, my divorce is on iTunes, and it's on. It's also available from every electronic uh, retailer that you can imagine, and it is. Wow. Uh, it is so. It's on Amazon, you know, and Napster, and all, you know, all the different ones, eMusic, and then it is um, available there in the website for download, and also you can buy the hard copy CD there on the website. And um, right now, in in so far, I mean, people who listen to it do love it, but it is uh, mostly a big yawn. You know, but but um, I I can say proudly that my divorce is a celebrity, and I'm currently uh, it, there's a possibility of um, that it's going to be featured in a major women's magazine. So I'm kind of uh, Ooh, nervously sweating that that one out because that would be very cool. Uh, I, what I really want for it, and it goes to what we were talking about earlier, is. Um, an audience for it, you know. It only costs seven ninety five. Uh, so if I sold, you know, just thousands of them, it wouldn't make me rich. But I want people to know it. You know, yes, it's about divorce. That's <laughs> somewhat negative, but it's an optimistic little CD and kind of has a message of hope in that way. Because, um, it, you know, that, that's just kind of its tone. It's not a. It's not a CD. CD where I'm making rants about my ex-husband or, you know, talking about woe is me. Uh, but uh, it, it's just kind of fun to have a comedy CD about your divorce, right? Well, I think that it's also therapeutic for people who can't quite grasp the fact that they are divorced. And when they are found with those uh, reality checks given by the ex, <laughs> and I mean, come come up with something that makes you feel good about it. You know, make it make it a comedy. Make it something easier to deal with. You know, and speaking well, of the go. ex, do you do you have to share any of your proceeds with your ex since he's <laughs> one of the subjects? No, not you know what, not at all. We with that we 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 uh, of course being a lawyer, I know that things like that are never final until until they're final. But uh, I don't anticipate that uh, he. He has listened to it, and I would have to say he's almost a fan. Now, I had a Women Are Not Funny uh, last week. I had just this wonderful uh, friend who is a comedy writer, and her name is Cher Bailey. And Cher has been married so many, uh, has been divorced. 
so many times that she is unwilling to share the number. And so I was trying to persuade her that I could produce comedy CDs about her divorce and we would have the box set. She would have the first box set of uh, comedy CDs about her divorce. And if she didn't like that, in the alternative, we could have a subscription series kind of like Time Live so that um, people could just get a subscription every month, get a new comedy CD about one of her divorces. See, I'm I'm always I'm always thinking, I always have an angle. What do you think about that? I think that's great. And while I'm sitting here with my very creative brain, I'm visualizing a comedy act or stage play about this very topic. <laughs> that's what you know. That's one of the things that that uh, my producer asked me in the making of KK's divorce. You know, what were my plans? And I said I planned to take it on the road. And she comes back with, uh, you know, what are you going to do? Actually, get married and divorced on stage, that whole sort of thing. And I said, oh no, I just think uh, uh, my fans would want to come and see me. And she says, well, maybe so, but you should consider pyrotechnics, uh, implying, well, that, of course, that. That sounds good, <laughs> but I, I think it would be better if you do segments where you're reenacting uh, certain episodes of your marriage. Um, and put some humor in it, because I know marriage is not really funny, but um, I'm sure you could come up with something. I had a very unfunny and very boring marriage myself for a very long time. And my divorce was so boring and dull that I couldn't even thought of doing anything like you've done with yours. Like, I I would probably have eggs and tomatoes thrown at me if I were to stand there and talk about mine. But what you're doing is a great idea, and I think it can actually be a, a stage comedy act. Well, um, there you I mean, go. not just a comedy act, but a play. I mean, an actual play. You should do that. Oh, so funny. The you know what you said about your 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 divorce being boring. That's the same thing that my guest Cher Bailey said. She said, "Who? Why? Can't, who would be my audience? No one would care about my divorce." Yeah, that is the that is the real challenge. Uh, is to make people really care about your divorce. And in my own case, my goodness, my divorce was completely without rancor. In fact, we uh, there were no custody issues or property issues between us. So we actually, even though I'm a lawyer, we actually got a Guam divorce. So in most cases, <laughs> my, my divorce is in my imagination, you know, and uh, I deal with that. But I would say, you know, and here I'm talking about the producer because I'm the executive producer of the project, and that's really what I would like to do is help everyone have a comedy CD about their divorce. We could come up with aspects of your divorce or then do that people would find interesting. And by people, maybe only one person, I don't know. I don't, I'm not sure that there's a huge audience for divorce CDs based on my own experience. But we could find things about your divorce that people would find interesting. Maybe even the, maybe they would even be interested by the very boring nature that you mentioned. You know, there there are people right now. Well, the boring part was not from my point of view. It was, well, mostly from his. He was the boring one. I mean, he never <laughs> drank any alcohol. He only drank cranberry juice. Everywhere he drove, he drove at 35 miles an hour. I don't care if it was on a major highway. If that said 65, and you know we always push it up another 10 notches, he'd still be doing 35. 35. I think the most exciting, 
the most yeah the most exciting part of the marriage is finding out that he was actually pulled over um for racial profiling by some newark new jersey police officers because he was driving so slow they thought he was on drugs so they took him out of the car <laughs> and darling they him. darling they you know what? i mean that's the only exciting part of the marriage I am, I I style myself as a comedian, and you are a comedian as well. My goodness. Now, see, you're, you're, but you're confusing, you're getting the things confused. There is the divorce, and then there is the ex-husband. Those are different things in terms of their comedic potential. Now, you can have a boring marriage, you can have a boring husband, and you can have a boring divorce. And it sounds like to me that you have no more than two of the three. <laughs> I did have a boring divorce. The the boring part was that I wasn't even there when we got divorced. So that was the boring part because all I had to do was fill out a piece of paper and it was done. So I would say I wanted to fight. <laughs> yeah. I wanted see, to throw his stuff out of the window. <laughs> I can tell you this. That. I can tell you this, and I'm sure you can relate and agree. Right now, there are millions of people, some of them may be may even be listening, who are going through a divorce, and their heart's dream would be for their divorce to be boring because they are enthralled <laughs> in the battle, and it's costing them a lot of money, and it's costing them a lot of grief, and so they are totally envious of you that you had a quote <laughs> boring divorce you have become the subject of envy of many trust me on this one <laughs> i suppose that's correct <laughs> in fact you can you can engage in some you can engage in some nanny nanny behavior you know my divorce is boring well my hopefully my when I get married again, I can find some things to, to be fun during the marriage, so that when we do get a divorce, because you know nine times out of ten that can happen. <laughs> when we have a divorce, I'll make sure I have reasons for him to make it exciting for me. Oh, darling, I'm so glad to hear you think ahead. That is perfect. You know, <laughs> among the other things that you consider when you are considering getting married, you can say that. Mm, what is the potential here? What would my divorce CD be like? You know. And just try to try to see if the uh, uh, relationship meets the mark from that standpoint. I like that. I love the woman who thinks ahead. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I mean, what, what else can you do? You know, you can't live in a fairy tale land. <laughs> well, but you know, we we can aspire to, right? We can aspire. Right. I mean, you to. know, at some point in your life, you're going to get cancer. You know. You might as well prepare yourself for it. So same thing goes for divorce. Same thing goes for getting hit by a car. Same thing goes for getting mugged. I mean, I've been mugged. I've had three car accidents. I've gotten divorced. Uh, I had threats of cancer. So what is left? Well, I haven't been shot. So, okay, I'm okay for now. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. You are a paragon of optimism, aren't you? <laughs> I just try to keep it real. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, I, you know, Be I guess prepared. that's the way. I guess that's the way we differ. I try to keep it unreal, man, and uh, and uh, I, I really do. Well, I mean, we have to balance each other. So <laughs> there I'll you keep go. It real. 
and you keep them dreaming about fantasy worlds or you keep them not thinking about that they really can walk out the door and get hit by a car. So you just don't know. Oh, no, no you're not you going to get hit by a car. You're just going to get grazed, and then you'll be fine. <laughs> I know. Let me tell you what. I know about all those things. I really do. But one of the things that I also know, and if you think about it, you know as well, that happiness is something, it's more of a decision than anything else. And it's something that is comes from the internal rather than what's going on around you. So, as I say, once I learn to be fake happy, I'm happy all the time. <laughs> fake happy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? It's As far as I know, fake happy is the real thing. So... <laughs> Well, how do, how would you define happy? Like, what what is exactly is happy? Like, does it mean that you don't have any bills to pay, or you're caught up with your bills? Does it mean that you got a great job and nobody gets on your nerves? Does it mean that your kids are treating you right, or, or does it mean that you know you're just not dealing with any really crazy stuff? You're doing what you want to do. I mean, what, how would you exactly define happy? Well, see. You know what, Rodindu, I really like you. You're 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 just very fun. The the thing is exactly what I just said. Happy is a decision. It is a way to live that you know, you've just it's a way you've decided to live. And so all of the things that you mention are aspects of our life in twenty ten and you know they go on around us but happy is a framework and a way to be and um you know kids kids are at some point no longer kids and uh um adults in fact my situation uh i used to have a daughter and um when she got to a certain age I realized that I was way too young to have a daughter that age. So I promoted her to my sister. And so now she is my sister and I no longer have a daughter. And it's really cool because should she decide to have children, I won't be a grandmother, I'll just be an aunt. That way, you know, I can maintain this uh, state of youthfulness uh, throughout my life. Well, that sounds like fun, but I, unfortunately, I don't have that luxury because my daughter has a, a, a way of making our relationship selective. Um, there are times when she does act like a daughter, you know, when she needs something, and there are times when she's more like a sister when people don't think we're related as far as being mother and daughter, but they think we're sisters, but it's the way she's talking to me, so they don't think that I could possibly be her mother. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it depends on what the situation is and whether we are actually mother and daughter or not. Yeah. Well, you might just, you know, you might just consider my approach and just plain out promote her to sister and then you're done with it. And then uh, uh, she can continue to have more more of a, well, I mean, what are you saying, the... the um, You know, I'm I'm guessing at what you mean. You maybe you would like her to see. This is this is the thing, Ravindu. Maybe you can relate to this. Mm-hmm. I at some point when when I had a daughter, when I was a mother, when I was raising a child, I raised her to be a free thinker. Okay, and then mm-hmm. when she exhibited 
the characteristics of a free thinker, I would go, what's that all about? You know, <laughs> but what it was about was she was exactly the way I raised her to think for herself. So how could I possibly complain about that, right? Uh, because I, I, it's how I brought her up is to uh, think for herself and say what she uh, thought and say what she believed. And so there was a period of adjustment that I will admit to where I was, you know, <laughs> experiencing the uh, very predictable um, consequences of the way I had raised her, where I had to say, oh, whoa, I'm not sure I like this. But didn't I, wouldn't you say I, I had it coming to me? Well, I would say that because I tell her the same thing about her son, my grandson. Um, I know that he is the exact same way she was when she was little. And so now it's like what they say, you, you're going to get that back with the way you behave with your parents. But that's the way she's allowing him to be, to be, you know, free-natured and all that. So there are times when he, he does things. He's only four, but he does what he wants to do. And then she has to get on his case about it. But I'm like, you you let him do that. You let him be that way. So why are you complaining? Yeah, well, exactly. And, um, <laughs> uh, you know, for in, in my own case, uh, when I was an active parent, I was really kind of scared because I remembered that when I myself was 14 years old, I was horrible, Ravinda. I was terrible. I was mean to my mother. I was mean to my teachers. I was mean to my friends. I was just, you know, outrageous. And so my expectation was that my own daughter would give it right back to me. You know, that I would be, I would get my just desserts when my daughter hit teenage that she would be the same sort of horrible person that I was when I was that age. Oh, no. It's untrue. She was sweet. She was perfect. She was, you know, it was just incredible. And I kept on waiting for the shoe to drop. You know, what, this, <laughs> this, this cannot go on. It never happened until, I'd say when she hit about 20, it was her time to kind of shine, if you will, in the uh, universe of acting out. <laughs> so I did get it eventually, but I guess what I would say is you don't always fortunately get what you deserve. Thank God for that, you know, because I've, yeah, I certainly, I would not want everything I, I deserve. My goodness, no. Well, I have a new concept on the way I do things. I just try not to do anything that, you know, is going to be done by somebody else to me um, that will be negative. So, mm -hmm. I'm, I wouldn't do anything that I wouldn't want to happen to me or for people to be like to me. So I, I try to be, I'm not trying to be perfect, but I'm not going to go out my way to be a mean person or, you know, get over on people and just do spiteful things or whatever. Because all those things fall into the karma and the Murphy's Law and everything else. It's going to come back to you. So you just got to make sure whatever you put out there is something you want to come back to you. Yeah, and you know what I would call that kind of a tarnished version of the golden rule, the way you say <laughs> it. You know, we'll just call it we'll just call it Ravindu's tarnished golden rule, and 
and and be and be done with it. Well, this, this has really been around. fun. This has really been fun. Oh, I have to agree. I'm enjoying myself immensely, and I and I would hope that your inspiration for your story about your divorce can transfer over to me when I write um, a comedy act about. Let me see. I'm trying to think of something that will be of an interesting topic. I could say child rearing. Uh, I could say uh, Murphy's Law in my backyard. Um, I could say, you know, I'm an alien or something like that because sometimes things that have happened to me are just things straight out of a science fiction novel. So, <laughs> well, that sounds funny. Uh, you know what? You you might consider. I bet if you look at it. You would have some good material. You probably couldn't name names. But your experience in uh, promoting indie musicians could uh, probably uh, provide a lot of humor and something that your uh, musician fans would enjoy reading as they they read about – people's expectations. Um, You know, I I just – I love creative people of all – Kinds and mm-hmm. it takes so much courage to be creative and so much courage to try to make a living being creative and it's so hard it's such a challenge and we all need to help each other you know and uh, I, I agree I at, agree at this that. very at this very moment it's funny talk about multitasking I have my laptop open on my lap and I'm in the middle of composing an email to an indie artist about uh, what he would charge me to license one of his songs for use in some of my various publishing projects. And so it's one, you know, it's one of those things that's always difficult because I, as the publisher and producer, need to pay as little as possible. And it's not because I'm mean. You know, it's because there's just there's what I'm what I'm uh, proposing to use it for. It'll be a miracle if it shows a profit at all. You know, and so oh. <laughs> it's not that I'm it's not that I'm trying to be to be mean or or lowball him in any sort of way. On the other hand, I also am someone you know who's very concerned about creative types getting full value for their creations. So it is a difficult little dance we all do uh, in this area, and um, that's true. But one way to counteract that is to offer him a little bit more. Like you can always refer him to other radio hosts to play his music on their show to their audiences. Yeah, well, there are all those Um, things. Like my show. So you know what? One of the things. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the things, Ravinda, that I would have to say that all artists, and here I'm talking about musical artists, I'm talking about visual artists, I'm talking about writers, I'm talking about performers. I mean, one of the things that we're always told is, but you'll get the exposure, the you know, the exposure is so valuable to you. Well, that's true, but there are limits. There are absolutely limits. You cannot take the exposure to the grocery store. You you know, I mean, when you're going through the line at Kroger, you cannot trade in exposure, right? It takes it actually takes cash. And so, you know, that's the thing that I try to be very um, uh, aware of and uh, in terms of offering people exposure, you know. Uh, and that's what I mean by we have to help each other. And so part of my job is to 
also make the project that I'm proposing to actually make it profitable so that it will merit a licensing fee that this guy could actually take to Kroger. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, I find that a lot um, when I have artists who want to do a lot. Um, I, sometimes I offer to uh, add them to my email blast or, you know, put them on the, the pod host site or something like that. But um, I usually charge them like $25 if they go to my website to sign up as a premium artist. And then um, they got the whole year of me doing things like that for them. For that $25. Now, I have people who actually are not that great as artists, and they want me to do that and send their music to all my radio host friends, and I just can't do it because of the fact that they will never take anything else from me again <laughs> if they hear certain music uh, that I, I submit, you know, that I've received from some artists who really think they are talented. I think those are the same people who actually went and, you know, auditioned for American Idol and ended up in those bloopers that they put on there of all the people <laughs> that really sucked. So yeah. that's funny. Um, well, I, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to tell. I have to be right straight up with them and um, don't get your, your you know, your um, hopes up in the sky somewhere. It's a, it's a long-term process to get where you want to be. You can't be the next little Wayne or the next, Celine Dion or the next Cher or the next whoever, um, just because your family loves your music. Well, I, you know what? I agree with you totally and completely understand where you're coming from and where that has a um, parallel in my own life. I don't, I don't uh, receive any sort of compensation for, quote, promoting people, but one of the things that I do in my real life and in my work is I connect people with people that they should know about. So I am always about connecting people and opening doors for people, but the only time I do it is when I believe it's going to be a benefit to both parties. So if there's someone, particularly a younger person, that I'm trying to promote and connect, and by promote, I mean little p promote, um, mm -hmm. you know, anyone that I connect that person with, the person is going to know that uh, I have a solid reason for thinking that, you know, <laughs> that there's something to gain for both of them uh, to, to know each other. And you have to have, you have to bring that, uh, integrity to it, like you say, or no one will listen to you ever. They won't. They right. won't uh, believe in your recommendation, and they will uh, say she don't have any good ears on her. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. She has. You know. She has. Who, who cares if she thinks they're good because she doesn't know what's good. So right. You know. So that's really important. But I mean, one of the things that you also want to do, I'm sure is the people who want your help, who you're not ready to help them in that way, you still want to encourage them. Because if you're someone who is a musician and you're not 
at the level that you could be, you can get there. It just takes talent and, uh, you know, and some people are remarkably untalented, I suppose, but for most people to keep on and keep working at it and get better and get help, get lessons, whatever is required, it can be done, right? And so someone who has creative flair, someone who has creative flair, or maybe you need a better producer, or who knows what you need, but don't give up. Just don't. Oh, well, you know what? What I do is because I do similar things that you do, I connect them to other people. So I will send them over to someone who is a um, a music person that reviews an artist's music to tell them exactly, you know, where they are and what they need to do if they have to get better production, um, work on their vocals or, you know, whatever it is they need to do. So I'll refer them to that person, and it doesn't cost anything, but it'll save them because when they go to a showcase that charges $300 just to sing in front of a, you know, a, a label representative, and then they're out of the $300 if they go in front of them like they did on American Idol and suck really bad, they're out of $300. So instead of doing that, I advise them to, you know, go to somebody else that's not charging them that kind of money. When they get to that certain point where they're good enough to be presented in front of a, a label person, they'll go to directly to a label person and not have to pay $300 just to sit there and sing for five minutes. Yeah. Well, you know, I can invite really that great. person to my show and then they can listen to them for free. Well, Ravinda, this has been fun. It certainly has. And I, I must ask you to please come back again and we'll have some more stuff to talk about. And then well, you can also bring any of the artists that you know of as well, so we can add more music to the show. Oh, uh, well, that would so, be cool. That would be very cool. I would love that. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. thank you so much. The recording will be sent to you so that you can use it for your own purposes. <laughs> and I want to thank all my listeners out there who are enjoying myself and Kay have these wonderful discussions. If you, too, have a life experience, you want to actually make a comedy out of it, um, we can give you some <laughs> help on that. So just give us a call here and um, there you go. We, can, we can make something that would be pretend funny, wouldn't, can't we? Yeah, we can certainly do that. <laughs> we can make something that would be fake funny. So, yeah, thank you so much. That, I, would, I would love that. Thanks, Ravinda. You're welcome. And you have a good night, Kay. And I'm going to go out with my theme song from Kill Bill. Everybody knows that I play this because it's a really kick-ass song. So everybody have a great night. I'll see you on the next show. Nothing better than a kick-ass song. <laughs> <laughs>